Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Today's sermon comes from a time of discovery service in 2015. As you listen today, you may smile, you may laugh, but one thing is certain. If you'll listen, you'll hear the voice of God speak through His servant, Reverend Harry Plain. I, uh, I told somebody up in Crown Plaza restaurant this morning that every once in a while after all these years I have to step back and kind of pinch myself and see if this is really happening uh, that I'm actually here in Dayton, Ohio at the IHC and amongst great great crowd like like is here but for me to come in here uh, this morning and be with you young people is almost unbelievable to me. I tell you what, it, you're an inspiration of my heart. I sit here thinking uh, of how good God has been to me because I was a teenager way, way back. It was A.D. Uh, believe it or not, 19, 1965. Unbelievable, huh? I'm almost, well, I guess I am an antique. I almost qualify to be a fossil. I know, my, I know people my age that are already there. But, but it is unbelievable to me that uh, what they were just singing about, if you'll, if you'll speak, I'll answer. If you'll lead, I'll follow because young people, I remember, just short of graduation as a teenage boy, God the Holy Ghost got a hold of me, got my attention. I wasn't in church in that little revival with any mind to mind God or to seek God. But he got my attention, put me under deep conviction for my sin. And I got sick enough of it that morning that I came to an altar, hardly knew how to pray. I thought I slipped in just a little bit uh, when Brother Smart was preaching. And I thought, oh, what a heritage. Uh, Brother Smart, of course, his grandpa, a great holiness preacher. And, uh, and then Brother Fulton I stepped in a little bit when he was talking about uh, a double portion and uh, and you responded so well and I thought, my, what a family come from. And and I in no way would run down my family. I come from a good family. My dad and mom were good, solid people, but we weren't church people. They weren't Christians. And I wasn't a church boy. I knew, and uh, but I just wasn't a church kid. But uh, God got a hold of my heart and got my attention. 
And uh, I went to an altar to pray and hardly knew much about how to pray. But God saved my soul. As a teenager, just like some of you are, teenagers are so unpredictable. They're messed up. You know, really, you are. You don't do it. You don't know it, but you are. Your your head needs to be screwed on a little tighter. But you're coming. You're coming. You're going to make it. Because you know what I found out? God knows all about teenagers. All about us. All our questions, all our wonders, all our fears. All of our mistakes. All of our sins. He knows all about that stuff. And he specializes in talking our language. I can't even talk your language. I said, how can I relate to these kids? And if I call you kids, it's not disrespectful. That's what I was growing up, a little kid. And you're not little. That was a mistake. But you're not much above. You're just the next step up. But uh, I just know that God knows and he knows where we're at. Thank the Lord. Well, uh... I do remember, though, after I got saved and after the Lord began to deal with me, coming into meetings and getting involved in church work for a little while later, he called me into the ministry, and uh, I had no clue what that meant, where that would take me or what that involved, and it was scary because, oh, I can remember, this scared me right here, the stage thing. I had never been in here. And uh, I walked back in the back for those guys that have prayer with you and all, and there's a big sign back there that says, The End. The End. I thought I, thought I was in the airport. It's terminal. You know. But stages, oh, stage fright. Stage fright. Oh, that was me. But I know, I know where God can take us and what he can do for us. And, uh, and I remember going to places and literally, literally, I'd be the youngest guy there in a board meeting or in a gathering. I'd be the youngest one there. And it's frightening how quickly the years, you don't understand that. When you're a teenager, you don't understand. You think the longest thing that can happen is arithmetic class. It'll never get over. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know where the years went, but now I come to places like this right here, and there is a probability, which is frightening, that I am the oldest person in here. Uh, it's scary. It's scary. The end. It's frightening how quick it's gone. If, if the next length of years goes that fast, I can only imagine. Oh, lobby. Get on. Get out there. I need Bible bears. But I'm not there yet. I'm here with you. And if we don't get started, we won't get ended. But... Uh, which we don't want it to be the end <laughs> yet here this morning. But I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. I, uh, I want to I wanna read here a portion of Scripture 
of a hero of mine. I have a great imagination. I mean, I don't know how great it is, but I have one. Um, and some of my heroes are pretty simplistic because birds of a feather flock together. But uh, over in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16... If you have an original 1611 or whatever it was, King James Version Bible. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 20, there was a certain beggar. I've never used this in dealing with youth. So this is going to be a little bit new for me too. But let's walk through it just careful, real careful. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his, which in verse 19 refers to a certain rich man. Jesus is telling this. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. Picture that. Just giving you a minute to picture that. Takes a while to get full of them. Certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Picture that. And it came to pass that the beggar died. Isn't that an exciting text? <laughs> I mean, for a young people's service, I thought, Lord, are we going to go there? He said, we're going to go there. I said, we'll go there. <laughs> Father in heaven, for just a little bit this morning, we do appreciate IHC. We appreciate that you've been visiting us and you've been helping us. And, and I know, Lord, that you helped Brother Smart and you helped Brother Fulton and you met with them here in the young people's services. And Lord, I know this morning that young people are special to you. And Lord, you see every one of these young men, young ladies that are gathered in here today. And I ask in a special way, would you come and walk in our midst for just a little while? Would you help us together to consider some things? Would you help us, Lord, if there's somebody here that has a particular need? It's none of my business, but Lord, if you know about it, and they know about it, or they need to know about it, then would you help us, oh God, come up and speak to us. And, and Lord, where there are needs... We found it over and over and over again that you are concerned, you are interested, and you are able for all of those needs. So, Lord, would you help that one that feels rather alone, even in a crowd this, this morning? Would you help them to look beyond what is so easily seen and cast their eyes upon Jesus? And if they'll do that, they can find what many of us have found. And it's all because of Jesus. 
And if you'll do that and give us help, Lord, we'll be grateful and give you thanks and praise, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I want to share with you just a couple of real uh, simplistic thoughts that I've had to look at different times and, and realize, and sometimes for me, because I'm a slow learner. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, uh, but some of you might be valedictorians. And I don't want you to raise your hand for two reasons. One is none of us like valedictorians. Okay, if you're a valedictorian, we're trying to like you, but we don't really. Uh, because you're smarter than us. You know it, they know it, and we know it. And so we don't like that. Many of us could have been valedictorian. I could have been if I would have really just got better grades. I came very close in high school, really close. I think there was 86 that beat me, but I was pretty close. <laughs> so I, I'm not speaking as a valedictorian. I, I don't necessarily get things quick, but after a while it comes to me. And every once in a while I've got to step back and look at the big picture. And there's some things I certainly don't understand. I look at a picture like I've read to you out of the Word of God this morning. And, uh, and the thing that I want to mention is that sometimes we need to realize that there are unfairnesses, if that's a word, in life. Life's not always, we don't always start out on even keel. Some people are born almost with a silver spoon in their hand. I'm not making fun or making light of people that have, have means, and I don't mean mean mean, I mean means in the original. I'm not making light of that, but some people have a silver spoon in their, in their hand and some of us have to just eat with our fingers. We don't have it easy. Uh, started out that way for me. Brother Stroud was asked about introducing me. I said, well, just say something nice. He said something about introducing Brother Fulton as Brother Dave or something. I don't know if he did that or not. But I said, well, you could introduce me as I should have been, Dave. I should have been. Life didn't start out right for me. I was... Back in 1947, in September 28th, that's my birthday. I can give you an address if you want to send a card. <laughs> in northern Pennsylvania, almost as far as you can go up, in the center of the state, right up there, if you picture it, right up there in Tioga County, just a few miles from York State border, but still in Pennsylvania, on a dairy farm that my dad had purchased when he came back from World War II 
bought the farm and set up a dairy herd and met my mom and married her and in a reasonable and appropriate and good time I was going to come to help them manage the farm. And I, I don't recollect a lot about that morning, but I know it was a Sunday morning. Well, you don't either. You weren't there. I was there. So I can tell you what happened. It was a Sunday morning. Before the morning milking, early in the morning, because I wanted to be a help to dad on the first day. And my mom was expecting. That's what they do when you're going to be born. And my aunt, it was a big deal. She was pretty big. And, and she's not normally. Because I've seen her since. But, but it was a big deal. So my aunt and uncle came. And they're helping. And grandma was there. And they're there. And it went, went pretty good. So I was told. Except there was a problem. Not me. That was later. <laughs> my aunt was expecting... My aunt was expecting the same time my mom was expecting. My cousin and I were expected. <laughs> and I've got to hurry up because there's nothing spiritual about this. <laughs> Except to say that it, it went wrong. Things, life just isn't always fair. And my aunt who come to help my mom got to expecting more than mom. <laughs> and, and to make a long, boring story a little shorter, mom had to get up and give her the bed. <laughs> and my cousin, my cousin, and he's a double cousin because my dad and mom married each other's brother and sister. So it was brother and sister, if you want to get confused a little. Brother and sister married brother and sister. And now the first youngin' to come into their home is coming in pretty close together here. And it wasn't even planned. We're not going to go there, but... <laughs> but don't go there! <laughs> but mom had to give up and give Margie the bed, and my cousin came an hour and 40 minutes ahead of me. And mom and dad had already picked my name. I was to be David, like the speaker. <laughs> David. And when he was born, they named him David. And I got stuck with Harry.
Well, you laugh. I was named after a president. If some of you were smart enough, you could go back and realize that Harry Truman was a, a president of the United States. You, got, you probably got married, married, named. Don't, I hope you didn't get married. Well, maybe some of you. Some of you are pushing it. You need to slow down. But what I'm just saying is that life's not always fair. For I was ever born, I had my bed stolen, my name stolen, and it's gone downhill ever since. <laughs> but when I look at this story, I look at it and say, you know, life isn't, isn't fair. These two men in this account, and ordinarily when a preacher preaches, a lot of times we're preaching about hell. And we're preaching about the rich man that had everything that money affords. All the niceties of life that bring easy street. But he didn't have God. And he went to hell. And that's what we normally preach about. But I read this and I was thinking, I don't know just why, except that I was thinking of Lazarus. Lazarus, where do, where do you look for a saint? Now, I'm not talking about saints like or pillars in some church or something like that. But I'm talking about somebody that when you really get, get in trouble or mess up, you know, young people, that you can, you can know that if you share something with them, they're not going to tell it. And if you need them, they'll pray for you. You know, somebody that they just don't wear a label, but even as teenagers, we might... We might be too busy doing everything and all that, but don't we really know that somewhere around us, not too far away, there are some saints? They're not growing on trees and bushes, and they may not be a great surplus of them, but don't we usually know somebody? Maybe it's a preacher. Maybe it is a grandma. Maybe it's somebody who lives on our street or goes to our church. But a saint. Where does God find saints? Where do, how does God make a saint? I don't know if you've ever thought about it in reading the story of the rich man, Lazarus the beggar, because it doesn't really fit our picture. If we're going to take a picture of a saint, I don't know if I'd ever take a picture of Lazarus. He wasn't pretty. He wasn't slick. Some of our, some of us, I should say, we're, we're pretty. I go to the mall and see young people. I do love young people. I'm not just picking on you. And really, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. But you ever go to the mall, it, it's better than the circus or the zoo. Because <laughs> you go to the mall, you go to the mall and you see these guys prancing around. And they got their hair slicked up into cones. And then on the very tips of the cones, it's fluorescent orange. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they do that. I think, I think they have to do it together. I think you get it all... <laughs> splotched up there. And then somebody would have to get a hold of them and pick them upside down and hold them real steady because it would take effort and cooperation. 
to get their head so that each cone has the same amount of orange. Hold them up till they drip dry and then flip them back up. And then you go to the mall. And looking like that, you think some girl is going to be amazed. Huh? No, I know we don't. Well, maybe we do. I'm not looking around too much. These lights are bright. I can't see you. Oh, maybe I see one over. No, 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 no. No, that was Brother Heath. That's not his hair. It's his tie. Um, where was I? But if I'm going to take a picture of a saint, I'm not going to take a picture of Lazarus. Whoa! Whoa, look at that! Hey, I love it! Oh, man, I was hoping you'd take advantage of the moment and go. Boy, there for a minute, the only thing I could see was his tie. But somewhere, somewhere, God, God found Lazarus. Lazarus was a nobody. Lazarus was unattractive. He was unhealthy. He didn't have much. And the Bible says that he was a beggar. That kind of goes against our theology a little bit. And I'm not trying to go against our theology, but I, want, I hope you can just see the big picture that God, God sees used up people. God sees messed up people. I, I'm talking to good kids here, and I know that it may not apply to you, but sometimes we just don't know what's going on down inside somebody. I stood in a congregation in a revival meeting and the people didn't really know from the outward what, how messed up I was on the inside. There were people in the community that watched me as a center boy uh, in Count Esqui Valley up there play basketball and they sat in the bleachers and, and, and they knew me. My dad and mom and their dad and mom had all lived in that area. Everybody knew everybody. There's not much up there. Every merchant down Main Street of our little town that didn't even have a red light has one now and it works. Has three colors. The middle one doesn't work much. But they all knew me. And Joe Abramson and Swanson and some of those others, they'd sit in the bleachers. They'd come to the games. They knew I was Harold and Hazel's boy. And, and I heard them sometimes. They'd compliment me and say, Harry, you're a fine young man. But Joe didn't have a clue that I could slip into his store and slide something into my gym bag and walk out without paying for it. And I was never caught. Well, they never would suspicion me. They would never categorize me that way. 
you may not be a thief. But young people, don't we know? Haven't we been around enough and experience has taught us and the Word of God declares that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You may not slip something into a gym bag, but there's something that that sets you off. A word spoken, an unprepared for moment, and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes and it's not pretty. And we're sorry for it afterwards, but when we say things and do things, we can't just draw them back and undo them. And so it messes us up. I look at, I look at Lazarus and I see in him a man that life hasn't been fair to him. Here's a guy that has affluence. He dresses in the best. He eats the best. He, he pillows his head at night in absolute comfort as far as what this world can afford. And right at his gate, right at his gate is a bum. An old bum. I mean, to most people, God looks at rich men. God looks at derelicts. God sees them in our palatial homes, but God walks back alleys. And He finds young people. And He knows not only your reputation, but He knows your character. And I wouldn't doubt any of you, and I'm not pointing a finger at any of you, except to tell you that who is better to know us? Because you know what I've found out, young people, that, that however unfair the world has been, there's a God that without respect of persons cares about you. Everybody's sitting over on this side and in the middle and over here. God cares about you. And you might be sitting in a crowd, and if we really knew that behind the smile and the handshake, there's a lonely person, or maybe there's a troubled person, maybe you're worried about what the tomorrows are going to be, maybe you're confused about what life has in store for you. Maybe you're frightened over some of the things that you've done and they, they dog your trail and at night bother you. That's not a pretty picture, but I lived that way for years under conviction for my sin. And Jesus came and spoke to me that night that I got saved. And everything he brought to my mind was true and it bothered me. He made me feel exceptionally uncomfortable. But young people, can I tell you, after all these years, I was a teenage boy. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm 67, which surprises some of you. This little whippersnapper come up to me and said, Brother Plank, how old are you? I said, how old do you think I am? Boy, he looked at me. I could hear circuits, gears, vapor come out his ears. He looked up at me. He says, 80? <laughs> 80. 
I kicked him to see the britches and sent him back to his mama. 67. But the same week, same week, that the little runny-nosed kid said, I look to be 80, I'm, I'm riding the Beavertown bus to a youth rally. Hadn't done it for years. My wife and I made the mistake of thinking we'd like to do it. And so we rode the bus with a bunch of them, and there was a lady that had come in actually through the bus ministry, an elderly lady, and a nice lady. But she got to shoving in on, she says, Brother Plank, I believe you're older than I am. And I looked at her and thought, I hope not. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said, I don't believe so. She said, oh, I know you're older than I am. I wanted to say, lady, people don't get that old. But she pushed me into a corner until finally I did. So young guys, listen up. This is for the guys. Two things. Two things. Never, never ask a girl her age or her weight. You're done. But this one pushed me into a corner. I said, I don't believe I am older than you. And this is after that little kid. I said, how old are you? And she said, I'm 83. But you can't kick her and send her to her mama. So I'm not as, things are not what they appear to be. Here's the two things I, I need to tell you because this is so unorganized that you won't get it unless I tell you. So listen up. Young people, what I wanted to tell you about this story of Lazarus is that the world's not fair. The world's not fair, but we need to recognize that. We need to step back and realize if we have sores over a third of our body, he had them all over him. God still sees, God still knows, and God's not to blame. I don't understand some things, but when I was in school, I was at Hope Sound, wherever the Hope Sound guys went. Did they leave? Are they? Who are you guys? You guys? Oh, God's Bible School. I've heard of that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yes. That's that school. Uh, yeah, you're president. Oral Roberts. No, no, I know better that. I know it's not Oral Roberts. Who is it? No, I know who it is. Oh, I, should, I don't mean to be dis disrespectful. Brother Avery's a great man. Or the God's Bible School. That's a great school. Some of you need to go there. But I want you to remember, life's not fair. So not all of you can go there. <laughs> the other thing I want you to remember is things are not always as they appear. You look at this picture and what you see is a Lazarus. You wouldn't take a snapshot and say, here's a picture of a saint. But we'll get to it in a little bit and we won't be much longer. God did something for Lazarus. And you know, the, the, the great, I think the great thing about it is that the Bible doesn't really cue us in on the details of it. We don't know where Lazarus found God. 
We don't know where Lazarus had an encounter with God that changed him in a way that made a difference in his life and for eternity. But this, this account proves that something had happened for Lazarus. It, it's a little troubling. It's a little hard to handle because we think that if he really knew Jesus, if he really knew God, he ought to have a Cadillac. He ought to have a smorgasbord. He ought to have a new suit. And all he had was a good dog. And I grew up on a farm, and I'm smart enough to know that every boy needs a good dog. If you've got a good jackknife and a good dog, you can go a long ways in life. I had a good jackknife, and I had a dog named Nicodemus. (laughs) Man, I'm telling you, Nicodemus and I fought with Custer. Both of us died in the Alamo. (laughs) Up in the Haymow. I travel with Lewis and Clark. I've been everywhere. (laughs) But things are not always what they appear. Lucille called my folks one day. You'd have to know who Lucille is. Lucille was engaged to my dad when my dad went off for World War II and went to Germany, went to France. And just before he came back, Lucille told my dad that while he was fighting in the Battle of the Bulge, she had found somebody else. Well, I'm happy. Because I like Lucille, but I'm glad she's not my mom. But the same Lucille one day called my dad and mom because they were still friends. Grew up together, knew each other, went to school together, same century beyond me which there is one. Lucille calls my folks. Things are not always what they appear. She said, Harold and Hazel, on the phone, talking to mom, she said, Hazel, uh, we we live up in the wilds. You can see bear and deer and coyotes and bobcats and stuff like that. You can see them. And she said, there's a big black bear coming down off the side hill. Well, we'd hunted there some, and we could picture it. And she called to tell us, says, there's one coming down. And hung up. And a little bit later, she called. She said, it's coming down. It's gonna, I think it's going to cross the road and come right through the yard. And we could picture that. And she said, it, it's a big one. Big one. And uh, that went on for about 20 minutes. Takes a big bear a long time to lumber down across a, a hillside and cross the road safely. And she calls back and she said, oh my. She said, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. She said it was a fly on the window pane. <laughs> yeah, it happened. It happens often to people, girls named Lucille. She was probably valedictorian. But what I'm saying is things are not always what they appear. You look at that and say there's something about this that isn't right. God needs to take better care of his people. I want to be careful in saying this, young people, but you know when you say yes to God, you're going to serve him and you'll go with him. A lot of times I didn't know. I had no clue 
I had no clue what that meant. I was a farm kid. My grandparents and great-grandparents and my parents had grown up in that little area, two-county area of Pennsylvania. When God finally saved me, I was the first of my family, other than dad and uncles that went away to fight in war and came back. I was the first of my family. I was the oldest of three boys. And when God spoke to me, and I'm not going to tell that story, but that I was to go to Bible school and ended up being sorry, sorry, fellas, I respect you, but in my case, my case, because I was a slow learner, the Lord said, you're to go to Hope Sound. That's where he sends the slow learners. <laughs> where, I, where is that sign? <laughs> the end is coming more quickly than I'm planning for. Uh, I, I left home and, and, and went uh, so far away. But uh, God, I had no idea. My folks thought I was going to Africa. I mean, literally, I got on a Greyhound bus, left Gelton, Pennsylvania at midnight, and went down and started, I looking out the bus, I was looking for palm trees when we hit the Maryland border. <laughs> I don't know how far we got before I saw one. Left me off on US-1 and I took my suitcase and, and walked uh, on down and to Gomez and to the water tank then at Hobe Sound, walked on campus, school had already started, I was late getting there. And, and walked on campus with an FFA jacket, one of them blue corduroy things that said Pennsylvania in the back, all oh, blazing hot. I wouldn't take it off because it said Pennsylvania, if I'd have fried. But uh, I had no clue where God, that's why I said to the guy upstairs today, I sometimes have to step back and say, who, who can believe? Who could have seen it? Who could have imagined it? Who could have ever thought it, that I would be privileged uh, to walk in amongst some of these giants that are here at the IHC? And young people, I mean this sincerely. I don't know if you can understand this or not. You will when you get to be my age. But what an honor. What an honor for me to be here in front of you today. And I'm not doing a great job, but I want to tell you something. I found out as, an, as a young boy that knew very little about God, didn't know anything about theology, didn't really even understand the language of the church, scared me silly the first time I ever saw a little old lady get blessed and shout in church. I thought, what in the world ails her? I have got up with the holy rollers. It scared me. And the Lord had to impress me, Harry, come on. You guys play ball. You guys come down. You put it up. You hardly ever miss. I just threw that in there. <laughs> huh? Oh, when it didn't miss, I'd jump up and grab the rebound and slam it in frustration. But he said, you, you guys would come down and shoot a basketball, and, and the town fathers in suits 
would scream, jump up, throw themselves right back into the laps of the people behind them. They'd reach up and tussle one another's hair. You try that in church. <laughs> I double dare all of you. Let's do it. At a planned time in the afternoon service. Reach two rows up and just mess it. I don't care if it's a man or a woman. Just mess it up. Think of the excitement. We'd find out who's carnal. We would be pioneers in revival. Huh? Just think what we could do. I'd like to do it, but we'd better not. We'd better not. I retract that. Oh, no. These are recorded, aren't they? Oh. Oh. Oh, oh my. I got to close. What I, wanted, what I wanted you to remember... remember Oh, I forgot. My teeth are permanent. I thought they were loose. I'm not like some of these. I had a guy in my pastor. You know, isn't it neat how we mix and mingle with God's people? God's peculiar people. Well, there's some of them odd. I pastored some of them. I wouldn't tell you who they are, but I had one guy whistled. It's not the one you think of that does bird stuff. This guy couldn't really whistle, but he tried. And he'd whistle to the organ, except either him or the organ was off. <laughs> and he'd always, in order to whistle, you have to take his teeth out. To me, that'd be laborsome and cumbersome. I'd yodel or something. I wouldn't whistle. But peculiar people. Some of them are peculiar. Even young people. Even some young people are. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> what I want you to remember, though, is that no, life isn't always fair. Things, though, aren't always what they seem. Young people, listen up just a minute. You guys got good eyesight. I've got some grandkids in here. If they're still in here, I won't embarrass them by pointing them out. But they're real cute. The girls and, and the boys are real ugly. But uh, I can still remember when I used to, I won't tell you who they are, but I can still remember when I used to uh, go hunting with Jameson. I would try to teach him like Dad taught me and, and see things. But now what I've found out at my 67 years of age, not 80s, 67, I've found out that he, at whatever age he is, or thinks he is, that he can see things a lot quicker than I can. It's a little embarrassing. I mean, when you're a grandkid, imagine that. You guys can't imagine that. Man, I mean, you're worried about your dog. But can you imagine when your grandkids can see clearer and sharper than you can? But I want to tell you something. I am confident that when you begin to read this, you'll see that God is saying to us simply, it's not that way in every case. 
Joseph wasn't a beggar in the Old Testament. Joseph, Joseph wasn't covered with sores. Job was at one point. Not everybody's that way, but, but look at the big picture and realize that God's able to come and God's able to move in every individual's case. And if they can get their eye on Him, nothing you ever go through is going to be unbearable. God can take you through. And if you'll go with God, it'll be exciting. I'm telling you, I had no clue, but it's so exciting. Guys, when I got, I'll tell this and quit, but when I got out of Bible college, ready to go, I've told this before, I was knocking on doors. Rachel and I, my wife and I, got married and took our honeymoon to go to the city rescue mission in Binghamton, New York. That was our first pastorate. My parishioners were drunks, derelicts, prostitutes, weirdos. But I was excited. Right out of Hobe, knocking on doors. Flop house, three stories up, middle of the city. I'm a farm boy, middle of the city. I'm knocking on doors. One light come down this long thing, and it was fly-speckled until it was real dim, like they did here a while back. And I'm not getting much results, and at the end of the hall, I knocked on the door, and I could hear the guy coming. I, could, I, mean, I didn't know if it was a he or a... Anyway, came. There was a pause. Suddenly, he opened the door, and it opened in. I remember that. He opened the door, grabbed me right by my shirt, pulled me right up into his face, and he was ugly. <laughs> he had a raw scar all the way down across his forehead. He'd been in a machete fight, and he grabbed me and pulled me right up into his face and said, I could kill you. He knew not of what he spoke. <laughs> he didn't know who he had a hold of. Because I was contemplating. And I thought, what did Brother Heron say to do in a situation like this? <laughs> huh? Man, I'll tell you, it's exciting to be a Christian. You get into things that you never planned for. It is neat. Well, I know this doesn't make any sense to, to you, but you think about it, you chew on a little bit, step back from it, get your eyes adjusted, and remember, young people, there's going to be some things that it hits you, and it hits you hard, and I'm not playing on that lightly. Hits you hard. It's not fair, Brother Plank. It's not fair. And it's not fair. Lazarus is not fair, because it says he died. But then it says the rich man died. And everything the rich man had, when the rich man died, he went to hell. And it said Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom, representing heaven. Lazarus, it says, was carried by angels. His pallbearers were angels. He might have been buried in a potter's field, in a poor, poor field. But God saw it. And if God sees our life, God works in behalf of our life. 
God will take care of us all the way through life. If I'm the oldest one here, it would probably tell me that I'm the one that might be the closest to eternity, but we don't know for sure. And young people, I want to tell you something. Life might be unfair. Things might not always be what they seem. But there's a God in heaven that always keeps score. And he'll always take care of you. And your life may be one of some hardship, like Lazarus was. It's hard to believe right now, but there's something way more important than just this old world. And that's getting ready for heaven. I'll tell you something. I was your age, some of you. Unbelievable. Way back in 1965 when I came to an altar prayer. And I asked the Lord, hardly knowing how to pray, Lord, if you will forgive me for my sin, I'll be what they sang about. I'll, I'll respond to your call. I'll say yes to your will. And I've done it now for many, many years. And I can tell you it pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. Oh, it hasn't all been easy. been some hardships. I walked by the casket of a younger brother that was killed in Vietnam. I've never had an answer for that. I prayed every day that Jim was over there, that God would keep his hand on him and he'd come back in a casket. I have no answer for that. But our college president at Hope Sound that day gathered us preacher boys together before we left, and he gave me some of the greatest advice I've ever, ever had, and it's really not in theological books. He said, boys, things will happen that you don't have an answer for and that you can't understand. He said, carry a mystery bag. He said, put it in there. And when it gets full, tie it off and leave it with God. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. When your brother dies like Jim did, that's hard to do because it cut, it hurt. Still does if I dwell on it much. But you can put it in a mystery bag and you can learn to trust God in your hardships. Lazarus was still a beggar. Lazarus still had sores all over him. Lazarus' only friends were dogs that came and licked. And whether they helped him or whether they hurt him, I don't know. But it wasn't much of a life. We would look at it and say, what in the world did he do for God? I don't know. But when he died, Angels came and took him to heaven. And it's God's business and yours, young people, that you live for Jesus. He'll take care of you all through life, even when it's in reverse. And he'll take us to heaven one day. It'll be nothing compared to this, and this is real good. Let's stand. I don't know, I don't know, I know that's not very evangelistic, but I would like to encourage you young people because my generation, unbelievable to me, my generation is the old timers now. And pretty soon, pretty soon we're going to have to lay it down. And I'm going to tell you right now, as sincerely as I know how to do it, we're counting on you. You guys and you gals, we're counting on you. If you don't step up and if you don't step in, we're done. We're done. 
Some of us, when we were your age, we tried to do it. No glory to us. God enabled us. God gave us a desire. And God helped us to a degree. But we need you. We're dependent on you. We want you to carry the torch and carry the banner. and Don't, don't shy away. The world doesn't care how ridiculous they look. And what, how many people are looking at them. The spike hair guy. He doesn't care. So don't be, don't be bashful or don't be ashamed of looking a little bit old-fashioned. I know that's not a good term to young people, but you, you, you just serve God and read your Bibles and draw near to Him. He'll help you. He'll help you and He'll take us to heaven. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for these young people. Thank you for your help today. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the Ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.